Oh yes indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like why do the people that know the least know it the loudest? Hi America, hello world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you. To bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly, from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I've called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show, and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal, and she does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather has finally discovered this week that if she reads cross-eyed, it cures her dyslexia. Welcome to the show, Heather. (laughs) I never told anybody about that. See, I'm psychic. See how these things work? (laughs) We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim found out this week that they locked the gas station toilets because they're worried someone will actually clean them. Welcome to the show, Kim. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He's also a producer and sound mixer. Greg has just written a book about failures, and if it doesn't sell, it will be a success. Welcome to the show, Greg. (laughs) We are on show 28. 28's a fabulous number. 28, as you know, is the atomic mass of uh, silicon, so I'm sure Pamela Anderson knows that. 
28 <laughs> is also the curing time for the setting of concrete. 28 days to cure and set concrete. I'm sure Pamela Anderson knows that as well. Did you know 28 is the number of dominoes there are in a domino set? It's not very informative, isn't it? I mean, you know how many cards there are in a deck of cards, but how many people know this 28 dominoes? Very informative. 28 has never been designated as a dialing code to any country. So I'm telling you right now, if anyone's listening, if Greg decides at some point during tonight's show to discover a country that hasn't previously been discovered, then the dialing code 28 is there available for you. Can't we just buy an island and do that ourselves anyway? If you're willing to buy an island, Kim, that'd be fabulous. <laughs> Maybe somewhere like Britain, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, 28 is available. So if anyone discovers an island between now and the end of the show or any other land that hasn't been yet previously touched by Western European hands, then 28 is available for you as a dialing code. You can call your town Adrianville, perhaps. I'm sure there might be an Adrianville. There is a town called Adrian quite close to us. It's very bizarre when you drive through Adrian and there's a sign that says Adrian. Population. It was very empty. It was. <laughs> <sighs> Early use of the inappropriate bell. Heather starts the game on minus three. <laughs> I have got a photograph of myself standing next to the church in Adrian. It's St. Adrian. So I do have a picture of myself with, with, a, with a church that says St. Adrian on it. But I've had a very interesting week. I've been to Canby this week. So I'm planning to do some investigations with the International Paranormal Society. But I went to Canby. It's a small town just on the South Dakota borders there, in the bottom southwest corner of Minnesota. And uh, I've been there, and it's a house there. It was built in 1891. It's called the Lund Hall House. And it's a fabulous old building, Richardson Gothic. So we had the opportunity to uh, go around the house. And the Historical Society in Canby gave me a fabulous guided tour of this amazing building. And we're going to be doing an investigation in there over the next few months. But one of the things I thought was very interesting, as you walk through this building, it's all laid out exactly how it was left in the 1890s. So you go through the parlour, and they've got all the furniture there as it was, and all of the bookcases, and everything looks fabulous. They've got a downstairs bathroom. And as I walked through the bathroom on my guided tour, they've got the claw-footed bathtub sat there, and all the tiled floor from back in the day. And it was like walking through paranormal treacle or syrup. As I went into that room... I just felt a wave of paranormal activity that wasn't anywhere else in the in, in the house. So what I decided to do, as I was getting this guided tour, I decided to open myself up psychically just to see what came along. And uh, there was a lady in there, and she said her name was Joe. So she kept saying to me, I'm Joe, my name is Joe. And I kept saying, well, well, give it to me again just in case I get it wrong. And she kept saying, my name is Joe. So anyway, I don't know, the lady that's given me the guided tour... Of course, I need to judge whether she's open to these things or not. I can't just out myself and say, oh, there's a dead woman here, her name's Joe, and she's talking to me. She'll think I'm mad. Well, people think I'm mad anyway, but you know, I try and keep things under wraps for as long as possible. So uh, the end of the tour came about. We started talking about the paranormal and the fact that my team's going to come in there and investigate. And I said to her, I think there's a, a lady in the bathroom. I think her name's Joe. So obviously this is going to be a shortening of Joanne, perhaps, or Josephine. That's the impression... I'm getting and I'm in the dining room and the table's laid out with all the best china and the knives and forks and all the best silvers laid out and I uh, saw this lady's head keep poking the you know, behind the door she's looking at me from the bathroom this this dead woman keeps looking at me through the door and poking her head back in so it's very distracting when I'm talking to the tour guide and over her shoulder there's a dead woman keeps poking her head out of the bathroom so anyway I came clean and said there's a woman 
she's residing in the bathroom i don't know why she's in there over any other part of the building other than the fact of course you could write endless books about the you know the way water and paranormal activity center go hand in hand and uh, she didn't know anything about a joe this is the historian the local lady that runs the tour she's president of the historical society this name isn't familiar to her Anyway, during the rest of the day, I also did an investigation and, and, and a tour very quickly of the local cinema in Canby. And I went to the local railway depot. And this town is fabulous. They've opened their doors to us. They want us to investigate there. They're really friendly, which, you know, some places you go to, they're very standoffish or due to religious reasons or whatever. They're unsure of the things we do. But this town, I can't speak highly enough of how they welcomed us and how they want to investigate. Uh, they want us to investigate there. So ultimately, at the end of the day, after I've been into the other buildings and done walkthroughs and checked that they're places that we want to investigate, she came back to me and said, I've done some research in the last few hours, and I found an obituary from the 1890s, and uh, the lady who was the mother of the person who built the Lundhol house, her name was Johanna, and she died in the house, and here's her obituary, and she managed to print it off for me. So there's some really good research historically to be done there, and I was quite pleased that I picked up on that but I can't wait to make a start there so if you get a chance to visit Canby it's a fabulous small town there just near South Dakota on the border of Minnesota it's just inside Minnesota probably about eight or nine miles before the uh, border finishes South Dakota but if you get a chance that's an amazing place to be and we look forward to being there so at some point in the future if you listen to our shows we will tell you about the investigations we did at the Lundhol house the theater and the railway depot in Canby we start our round, as always, with the round of the ghosts and the hauntings. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Well, I have in Mexico a Christ statue has human teeth. Oh. Greg's getting really good on that harp, isn't he? <laughs> Practice really does make perfect. He'll be using his hands one day. His tortured look, blood streaming down his neck, open wounds on his face, hands, knees, send shivers down your spine... But it turns out that the statue is even more realistic and macabre than previously thought. What could be more macabre than that? That's quite the opening description, isn't it? <laughs> Whereabouts is this? Uh, I don't know. It just says Mexico. Okay. Specialists restoring the 18th century artwork have discovered that the statue's eight teeth used to belong to a human. With the same human or eight different people, do we know? I, they didn't test they them. Didn't All I know is them. that they're human. The teeth were probably donated as a token of gratitude, suggests the head restorer Fanny Unical. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not going to you're not gonna get away with that. Let, I was let, what's trying. The, what's the name of the lady again? Fanny. Fanny. Unical. Unical. So Mr. Not and, unicorn. Mr. and Mrs. Unical yes. have gone to the local church. And the priest there at the font with the christening water, what do you want to call your child, Mr. and Mrs. Unicle? We'll call her Fanny. Yes. Fanny Unicle. They used to have stuff here. Is it Fanny Farmer's Fudge or something? Oh, sure. Fanny Farmer's You're handy. fully aware, aren't you, of what a Fanny is in Britain? It's not what it is in America. In America, the Fanny, of course, is, you know, towards the back, as it were. It's the south-facing, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yes. In, in Britain, it's the front. It's I know, the, because when I've walked along with you before, we've seen fanny packs. And I nearly choked. <laughs> the worst one was when the guy said to us, come in and warm your fanny by the fire. Thinking, wow, these Americans are friendly, aren't they? I barely know you. Quite remarkable. So you never wear a fanny pack then? No, that's never going to happen. It's called a bum pack, I think. I can't recall. I've not been back to Britain for years. I've lost all contact with the vernacular. This is remarkable. I'm going to go on Facebook. 
and I am going to contact Fanny Unicorn, and she's going to be my friend because I want a friend called Fanny Unicorn. If we say our name enough times, something's going to happen. You know, you have to stand in front of the mirror of the candle and say Fanny Unicorn three times. Oh God! No, just Fanny Unicorn. <laughs> Fantastic, or in wonder, you should get points already. Keep going. Uh, it's the first time human teeth have been found in a sculpture, says Unicle. I find that hard to believe. I, I know of Aztec skulls that are bejeweled and have teeth in them. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not denigrating I, this, but... I'm you, just reading the story. Using his extensive knowledge of world sculpture, I'm guessing. Um, as unique as it is, the director didn't find it surprising. The statue is very convincing depiction, so naturally if someone would lay hands on that kind of teeth, he would use them. Unical adds the teeth are in fact in perfect condition, even for a centuries-old sculpture. She rules out the idea that they belong to a holy person, stating relics would be used in a different way to stress their significance. Now there is historical documentation to say that during the Victorian period you could donate your teeth to a rich person and they would use them as false teeth. So if you had no money, you know, you'd go into a dentist, they'd pull all your teeth out, give you ten bob, and uh, some rich person would have them as their dentures from that point on. So that has been known. That's quite remarkable. You shall have points. Yay. You're on minus three to start the show with, but you shall have points. I shall give you three points for introducing the world and the listeners of more questions and answers to Fanny Unical. <laughs> I'm just, I wouldn't say I had Tourette's. I mean, we all have borderline kind of dyslexic tendencies and borderline, you know, things that go. I've got borderline Tourette's. I'm going to be going to bed tonight. And uh, the word Fanny Unicorn is just going to be going through my mind over and over again. I'm not going to get any sleep. That's too bad. I just, you know, this is how things are for me. So, uh, you know, I, I, shall, uh, I shall befriend her just to say that she's my friend. What a fabulous story. You are now on zero. You'd be pleased to know. Winning. I've got, well, you're not, are you? <laughs> You've managed to say one story. There were points and available even. and you've broken even on the back of that. There's a long way to go, is all I'm saying. I have a story here that says eBay is a one-stop shop for practically every item imaginable, including, according to one listing, an old cane chair that the seller says is haunted by a poltergeist. Andre Williams, an Australian eBay user, is currently listing the chair as part of what he called an experiment in human behaviour and human psychology, with the opening bid set at $25.00. But anyone looking to purchase it immediately can do so for $666, a figure known for its association with the biblical figure of the Antichrist. In the sales post, William pleads with possible buyers to take the haunted chair, which apparently came from the hard rubbish of an old 1880s home in Australia. If he's pleading with people to buy a chair, why didn't you just dump it? Why didn't you burn the thing, you know? Very bizarre. I don't know. Well, he's obviously looking to make money, isn't he, ultimately? After a week of having it in the house, I heard some crying during the night. Then in the morning, I noticed that the chair was on its side. I didn't connect the dots until it happened several times over two years. Sometimes there is a laughing accompanied by tapping noises. The eBay description goes on to claim that the chair is leaving marks on the floor, indicating that someone, or something, might be sitting in it. And that's not all. Recently, I found the marks going up the wall and along the plaster ceiling. It's pretty impressive, isn't it, when a poltergeist can sit on a chair and it's on the ceiling. (laughs) Please believe me, I'm not crazy. The description continues. Whenever I hear the crying, the chair is always found on its side. As yet, I have not caught anyone or anything in the act. 
So far though, the experiment hasn't yielded any action, as there are no official bids on the chair. So I can't basically, imagine why. Well, this is just a way of selling your old crap on eBay, isn't it? Just to say it's haunted. I would want to see video or something. Fridge, haunted. You know, kitchen table, haunted. Toilet. Play, PlayStation, well, we know that there needs to be some sort of exorcism <laughs> taking place in there. PlayStation 2 with 30 games haunted. All haunted. Everything's haunted. Buy it all. I would want to have video. I mean, uh, we've even had a doll that we thought was haunted, and the first thing we did was set a K2 buyer, and it uh, went nuts. It did go nuts. This is true. It reminds me of the first time I went to the Palmer House Hotel in Sulk Centre, because one of the rooms, and I think it might be 22, but uh, I'm happy to check. 17, maybe. 17, perhaps? I'm looking at everyone for help, but no one's going to help me. I have 22. I, I stay in 22. You need to say which story you're it's talking Lucy's about. It's Lucy's room. Oh, that's okay. yeah. 17. 17. 17, yeah. I thought it was 17, because that's the, that's the key fob I stole. Um, but then, you know, there is a chair in there, and the tale is that Lucy doesn't like men. And uh, if you sit in her chair, she will ultimately push you out of the chair if you're a man. And I, I sat in the chair, but unfortunately, nothing happens. So uh, Lucy wasn't around on that particular occasion but of course you can have furniture that's haunted and uh, you can sell it on ebay apparently it's amazing how many dolls you see on ebay that people say are haunted and they're just looking to make some money i suspect i saw a ghost in a bottle once i'm not quite sure how that happens but uh have you ever seen those ghosts in bottles sold on ebay no just don't let the cork out i'm guessing but that's true all these things are true i should give myself three points for being informative Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Canadian TV psychic sparks furor with Hitler comments. Ooh. This is in Banff, Alberta. TV psychic Carmel Joy Baird drew unwanted attention to her upcoming Canadian reality series debut by suggesting Adolf Hitler is a good soul living in a haloed afterlife. Well, that's not bad for an opening debut on a show, is it? Where does it go from that point? Uh, during the radio interview with The Edge, host Dominic Diamond, Baird insisted there had no bad souls in the next world, only good souls, the infamous, infamous Nazi dictator included. Let me, let me just mention that in the Bible it says that you only die if you go to hell. Because if you remember, everyone lives in eternal life. So ultimately, when people say you shouldn't be talking to the dead... We're not. We're talking to people that are in eternal life in God's embrace. The only people that die in the Bible are those whose souls go to hell. So in actuality, you could argue that, you know, he's he is in hell, in which case his soul has died. But uh, eternal life is uh, where we need to be, I'm guessing. It's very odd. What a way to spark controversy. I mean, it's uh, still very raw, isn't it, for many people? There's a guy by the name of Len Rudner. He's the Director of Community Relations and Outreach at the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs in Toronto. And he's very, very angry about it. I'm not surprised. Uh, Ms. Barrett is entitled to her opinion about what happened to Hitler in the next world. We are much more concerned with what he did in this world, which was to attempt to annihilate the Jewish people. Well, let's go a stage further. It wasn't just Jewish people, was it? It was uh, Slavaks and gypsies and homosexuals and anyone who just didn't politically agree with them, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. This gal thinks that uh, Hitler is in heaven. Well, she didn't reuse the word heaven, but uh, he's with her great-granny on the other side. He's with her great-granny or his great-granny? Her great-granny. Why why is her great-granny hanging out with Adolf Hitler? What's the connection? She must believe that everybody goes to the same place. There's going to be a lot of people there then, isn't there? Ultimately, I don't know if you're aware of this fact, but there's as many people 
alive on earth at the moment has been dead in the entire history of mankind the population you know of the world going back just six seven hundred years is only three hundred thousand you know there's not that many people knocking about so i find it remarkable it's going to be an awfully crowded place isn't it when you've got seven billion dead people all in one place i mean you're going to be looking for you if you get lost you're in trouble aren't you i'm looking for <laughs> me auntie jean i'm sure she was here earlier i'm looking for her, you know like being at a party a big party obviously but that's very very odd she must know that that's going to be offensive to somebody you can't uh, get the TV. The TV show that uh, she's working for stood up for her and said that she has a right to her own opinion and things like that. Yes, there is an element of free speech there, but then you know it doesn't become your own personal views when you're telling everybody about it, does it? Right. You know, with people expressing their own personal political views, the fact that you're telling me and you're, you're instigating what I should be believing in, it then doesn't become your own personal views, does it? Because you're expelling them on everyone else, I guess. Well, that was a very informative story, so I shall give you three points to sh- start the show with. I have one more story in the round of ghosts and hauntings. It says priests visited the home of a Liverpool bedroom tax victim to try to exercise a demon she says has occupied her spare room. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on this. The British government over the last year has actually put in place a system of taxation where they will tax you depending on the amount of bedrooms you have and the amount of people you have living in your house. And ultimately why they want to do that is there's people living on their own but have a six-bedroom house and there's other people that have 2,000 kids and they're living in a one-bedroom council Or the houses where there's several families. Absolutely. So what they thought they would do, and I'm not saying this is fair or right, I'm just you know reading the news, but they're now taxing you on how many bedrooms you have in your house. So uh, the fact that this woman has a bedroom that's haunted is her saying that she can't put anyone in there. Do you see what I mean? Because it's a haunted room. Lorna MacDonald has had a churchman visit her house on several occasions since she started to report ghostly goings on, and they have performed prayers and rituals to try and banish the demon. Lorna was left living alone in the Belleville house after 22-year-old daughter became too terrified to stay there when she claims a mysterious demonic shape appeared in a photograph taken in the room and mirrors began to fly off the walls. By the way, look out for that photograph and those mirrors. They'll be on eBay very shortly. The room is now empty and Mrs. MacDonald, 46, is racking up arrears and she cannot be rehoused because she owes money. Although she believes the spirit which she claims has assaulted her and left her with bruising on her body, has taken up residence in the room, government rules on under-occupancy of bedrooms don't cover paranormal house guests, and she is still eligible to pay the charge. Can you imagine if the government suddenly said, OK, if your house and your room is haunted, you don't have to pay tax. <laughs> how, many, how many hauntings and how many ghostly sightings would suddenly appear all over the British Isles in vast numbers. Catholic Archdiocese leaders confirmed that they had visited the semi-detached house in Southbrook Road and continued to support Mrs MacDonald. Christian faith healers have also visited and they are analysing photographs they took while they were there to look for signs of any supernatural presence. Mrs MacDonald said my daughter moved out about nine months ago because she was petrified. Daughter suddenly moves out, comes back nine months later... (laughs) Catholic family what could all this possibly mean it all started with noises we had a mirror on the wall and I thought my daughter had dropped something on the wooden floor but the mirror had started shaking my mum won't come here anymore neighbours walk past and make the sign of the cross I asked a man if he'd come and decorate and he asked if there was a priest because he was too scared to come in the house the only decorators that arrive 
with a priest. The mum of two said while the priests were there, you could see a small statue of the Buddha suddenly fly across the room. There you see, second commandment, see, second commandment. A spokesman for the Catholic Archdiocese said there had been ceremonies carried out at Mrs. MacDonald's home and in the church, adding, We can confirm that a priest has visited the house on several occasions and we continue to offer support to resolve the situation. The fact that the priest has to visit more than once would suggest that they're not doing their job very well, wouldn't it? Just yeah. saying, I mean, you'd think one, I mean, why have one exorcism? They're doing a special, two exorcisms for the price of one. <laughs> They're doing crossovers the following week. If you want a crossing over, you can get two done for the price of one. So if you want to have a chat with your granddad and your grandmother, they can both go at the same time and they'll only charge you for one. I wouldn't imagine for one moment you should let Zach Baggins know where this house is because you'll probably want to buy it. Is that in the city, did you say? Uh, that's in Liverpool, which is a city, yes. That's where the Beatles come wouldn't from. wouldn't be on a farm then, huh? Are you suggesting that Mrs McDonald at the age of 49 <laughs> is old and living on a farm? What could all this possibly mean? I don't know what you're trying to get at, Heather. What are you trying to suggest? I, I don't. Mrs McDonald is advancing in years and it is possible that she could be living on some sort of conurbation of farmland somewhere, but I don't know what this could mean. Whatever. What, what, what would she bring with us? Some sort of ruminants or maybe some domesticated farm animals? I mean, yeah. what are we talking about? She might have. Mrs. McDonald might have been a gold digger if she's only 49 because you don't know how old Mr. Mr. McDonald is. There's yeah. no talk old of Mr. McDonald. The fact that she's living in council accommodation would suggest perhaps that she doesn't have that much money because that's funded or helped by the government or by the council. Sure. So there's no chance of old Mrs. McDonald living on a farm anytime soon if that's where we're going. <laughs> you shall be back on minus two. Oops. Oops. We are in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It's all about hairy beasties and green men or green hairy beastie men. I have yes. no idea. Whatever. What have you got for Do you know tonight? any of them, Heather? Do we know any hairy green beastie men? Yeah, I got rid of them. Oh, there we go. <laughs> what have you got for me tonight in the round? Is this actually going to be UFOs or cryptozoology? Are just going to crowbar a random story into this round like last week? Oh. Oh no, I've made you That cry. was a fantastic spaghetti monster. Yes, I've never heard such things in all my <laughs> life. You did finish third in last week's show, bearing in mind. UFOs and cryptozoology, madam. California wildfires temporarily suspend search for aliens. Oh, it's UFOs. I love the way Greg does that with the bottle. It's incredible. <laughs> wildfires raging in Northern California briefly halted the search for extraterrestrial life on Tuesday. The fire burning some 200 miles north of Sacramento forced em employees at the SETI Institute Allen Telescope Array to evacuate and temporarily shut down all of their computers, Wouldn't internet, be, and power. It's just ironic, isn't it, that they spend 20, 30 years listening for that one moment alien life makes contact with Earth. And you can just imagine the moment they turn that off to evacuate the building is the moment that the you alien comes through. You jumped way ahead of this story, Oh, I'm you? sorry. Have I ruined it for you? We can't listen when all that is down, said Seth Showstack, senior astronomer and director of SETI Research. At SETI, which stands for Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, scientists search the heavens for signs of extraterrestrial life by listening with an array of small satellite dishes. The blaze came within a mile of the facility located near Hat Creek, California, on both the east and west, according to Shoestack. We just lost some search hours, he said. To expect that a E.T. will somehow reach out at this moment, that would be very bizarre. 
the more you the longer you go on of course it's like the queen mother the queen mother was in her 90s in britain and every year in the office we had a competition where you'd put five pounds in and you'd write down the names of the people you thought you would die that year and i went for ronald reagan at the time and uh, the queen mother the thing is once you put money on the queen mother to die and she doesn't die that year you have to go with her again the following year and the following (laughs) year you have to stick with it so what i'm saying is the longer you go listening to these aliens and you want to have them come through if you've been doing it for 30 years and just not to do it for that 10 minutes while you're evacuated is almost kind of painful isn't it maybe the aliens set the fire so that they could have freedom oh i never thought of that there may be some alien kind of incursion going on with matches if there's any aliens (laughs) out there remember playing with matches is incredibly dangerous but it's like supporting you know do you remember the detroit lions went you know a whole season or two without winning a game the supporters had to go to every single game because if they suddenly won on the week they weren't there that would be terrible do you see what i mean <laughs> so the point is you know the fact that you have to turn it all off and leave you just know that'll be clawing them up inside that something's going to come through at that moment you know the moment they decide to go outside and have a cigarette and kick a ball around just appallingly bad so that's very informative there's an element of horror and i shall give you points you are now on one being at minus two, I've given you three. You're now on one. You're on a positive integer. These are good things. It is a good thing. Fabulous. What have you got for me tonight, Kim, in the round of UFOs and hairy beasties? Why Icelanders are wary of elves living beneath the rocks. Iceland. <laughs> what was what was, was that? Was it Viking noises? What are we getting there? It was a bunch of elves. It was a bunch of elves, was it? Okay. Yes. I'm glad you highlighted that to me. I hadn't heard what a collective bunch of elves What would that be like. called? What a, well, we could call it whatever we want, couldn't we? <laughs> well, make up your own word. We did last week. Casserole. It's a casserole of elves. <laughs> the, co- the collective noun for elves is casserole. Fantastic. Uh, plans to build a new road in Iceland ran into trouble recently when campaigners warned that it would disturb elves living in its path. A new road? Surely yes. there's just one from north to south, and that's about the sum of it, isn't it? <laughs> My granddad was responsible during the Second World War for building the runway that's in Iceland. So if you ever fly into Reykjavik Airport and you go onto the airfield, my granddad, not on his own, obviously he had help, but he built that during the Second World War because when the war broke out, Iceland was the only country that Britain invaded. And we said to the Icelandic people, we need a runway here to protect the Atlantic run so we can get food supplies back. So out of all the countries available, that's the only one you guys thought maybe you could beat? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you were doing so well, Kim. You're back to zero. It's appalling. I'm winning again. Let me talk about <laughs> Vietnam, shall we, for a while? Or maybe Korea, Somalia, it's Panama, too soon. Cuba. Too soon. Too soon, I'm sorry. <laughs> Roads, elves, casseroles. Uh, the construction work had to be stopped while a solution could be found. Let's get this straight before we start. I do not believe in elves. That's what the man who, who uh, catches them for is a in living. charge of the construction says. Okay. I raise my eyebrows slightly and incline my head towards his computer screen, which is, this is the guy he's talking to. He can't believe the guy doesn't believe in elves. Um, Part of it is because on his desk is a map showing Elf Church and Elf Chapel. So he's got an elven map on his desk. Yes. So he should have known not to build there then, shouldn't he, is what I'm saying. But he's he way into Lord of the Rings. Something's going on there. He's way into something. I'm not quite drugs, I suspect. <laughs> There's not much to do in Iceland. You know, it's dark for six months of the year. It's the only place you can go to bed with your girlfriend and she wakes up six months pregnant in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You sat there, you know, eating 
frozen reindeer listening to Bjork. What more are you going to do other than kind of drink alcohol and smoke drugs, I would suggest? Nothing <laughs> grows there. It's uh, very barren. Do you know why they called Greenland Greenland? It's because the Danes, I believe, had Greenland as a, as a piece of property. And they decided to call it Greenland because they wanted to encourage people to go there. Because if it's called Iceland, you wouldn't want to go, would you? No. But if it's called warm and fuzzy, everything's furry, there's lots to eat, and it's hot land. Absolutely, you're going to be queuing up to go. So lots of disappointment on the people that bought one-way trip tickets to Greenland, I suspect. (laughs) The uh, survey suggests that more than half of Icelanders believe in, or at least entertain the possibility of the existence of the Huldufolk, the hidden people. You've met Bjork, right? Everyone knows what she's like. I mean, she's a perfect stereotypical kind of, you know, Icelandic person, I would suggest. Is she an elf? She has elven qualities, this is true, but she's uh, completely off her tits, which is where <laughs> I was going. I went to a strip joint the other day and uh, I came out, I wasn't interested because I was off my tits. <laughs> I'm here all week, I can wait. Um, can I just interject with the name Fanny Unicorn again? Just because <laughs> that's still on my mind and I can't get rid of that, I'm sorry. There's going to be random moments of tonight's show when I when I have to shout that out. So be. I wonder how what her age is. Fanny do, Unicorn. Do you remember? They did, didn't I don't think you mentioned her age, did it? I'm no. imagining. Well, I'm wondering if you're going to combine your paranoias with older women. I don't have any paranoias with older women. How dare you? I've never had that in my life. That hasn't even crossed my mind. I have no paranoia at all to do with having kind of any interaction with older women on any way, shape, or form. <laughs> wow, he's pretty defensive, isn't he, folks? I'm going to have some more Coca-Cola because I think that's the key. Yeah. Elves, Iceland, Bjork. Uh, just to be clear, Icelandic elves are not the small, green, pointy-eared variety that helps Santa pack the toys at Christmas. They're the same size as you and I. They're just invisible to most of us. Ah, oh, so how do they know? Because <laughs> they're wearing clothes and they can Whether just see them. Whether you can them. see them or not, I don't know. I know, it's very So odd. the elves are the same size? Yes. Yes. Icelandic elves are the same size as us, you see. The ones that pack the toys for Santa are small. They have been watching Lord of the Rings. They're, they're in Greenland. Something very odd is being smoked in Iceland mm. as we speak. There's lots of dangers um, to eating fermented reindeer at the end of the day. They claim that the elves are, are the basis of everyone's either good or bad luck. It depends on how you treat the elves. Mainly, they're a peaceable breed, but if you treat them with disrespect, for example, by blasting dynamite through the rock houses and churches, they're not reticent about showing their displeasure. So During. the building work has been stopped on this road because there's an invisible church with invisible elves yes. in a fantasy map. I'm sure the builders are really happy. This, this, he must be very pleased. The guys. Well, they claim that if they displease the elves, they're going to make them make their bulldozers, etc., break down. Ooh. So what's the plan of action now? Are they going to go around them or are they going to ask them to yet. move? Well, we, sh- we shall listen with bated breath in future episodes to see if the elves in Iceland are still with us or whether they're going to be annoyed we shall see who's got lucky elves with them tonight depending on who wins and i'm in the lead at the moment on three heather has one and kim is back to zero greg is also on a resplendent zero but there's all to play for i have a uh, interesting story here in the theme of ufos and cryptozoology it says an amateur photographer has captured a snap of what he believes is the legendary beast of bodmin (laughs) yes that was very scary wasn't it let's do that again shall we the legend hang on you're too enthusiastic sir the legendary beast of Bodmin (laughs) (laughs) horror 
Henry Warren, 19, was taking pictures in fields near his home in Cornwall when a huge cat-like creature leapt out in front of him. The student managed to rattle off several frames before the animal disappeared into the undergrowth. The sighting took place a few miles from the remote Bodmin Moor, where the famous beast is said to roam. It has been reported to the Plymouth-based British Big Cat Society. He who even knew such things existed. I'm going to try and say that again because that was fabulous, wasn't it? The Plymouth-based British Big Cat Society. If anyone wants to belong to that, I'm sure there's badges, buttons, flags and T-shirts available online. Britain's most famous big cat was first spotted in 1983 and there have been over 60 recorded sightings since. It was declared a phantom in 1995 by the Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Food. But Henry thinks they're wrong. He said I was taking pictures of our new house when I saw something run across the field and in front of my lens. It was absolutely massive and was hopping up and down like a large cat. There's no way it could have been a fox, a dog or anything else like that. It ran around 60 metres just in a few seconds and was leaping into the air with its front two legs. It then brought up a fur ball and chewed on my toes for a little bit while I was sleeping. I did some research after and thought it may be linked to the Beast of Bodmin. It certainly looks like a big cat. And if anyone wishes to see that giant cat running through the grass, they're more than welcome to do so on our Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories are posted and you can look at them in your own leisure at all the video footage, all the things we couldn't read out, the stuff we didn't have time for, and photographs of giant cats. Fantastic. <laughs> <sighs> Be sure to stay tuned as we explore further the week's news of the paranormal and strange after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot crop circles, ghosts and large cats. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. If you wish to be one of the show's sponsors and hear your business or product advertised by the dulcet tones of an eccentric Englishman live on air, going out to the nation, the world and beyond, please contact the show. I would love to hear from you. You're listening to the very best in live paranormal digital talk radio with your host adrian lee in the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is johnny nash there are indeed more questions than answers and the more i find out the less i know which means i'm probably less intelligent than when the show started i am your host famous for being banned in lithuania for introducing the world to dirty hobo water and sometimes the annoying inability to say 
Abominable Snowman live on air. <laughs> that was all very William Shatner then, wasn't it? Did you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> For introducing the world to Dirty Hobo Water and sometimes the annoying inability to say Abominable <gasps> Snowman. Live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you've just joined us, then where have you been? And what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show left to go. And in my opinion, the best 50% of the show to come. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has now stopped snoring. So onwards we march into the round that is the strange and the bizarre. The stories from around the world that include all of the things we can't put in any other round. So we mop them up in this particular round. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Oregon police deal with a report of a chicken crossing the road. Oh, did he just want to prove to the raccoon it was possible? Uh, what? <laughs> Who thought that a chicken crossing the road joke could actually be funny? I'm going to give myself two points. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, it's really trying to go into the middle of the road, says a non-emergency line caller. Oregon residents called non-emergency dispatchers to report that there was a chicken crossing the road in Linton and slowing traffic because it was taking too long to get to the other side. Hi. Um, this is actually not a prank call, but there's a chicken trying to cross the road in Linton. You're doing some acting there, aren't you? I was trying, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get any extra points for acting. You're aware of that. (laughs) You didn't say anything about that when we started. Well, I'll mention it next week then in the intro (laughs) that we don't get extra points. You get marks for awe and wonder. Funny. It's been oh, I thought you were going to say oral wonder. <laughs> well, there's points to be had there as well. Why do you think Greg scored three in the interval? <laughs> Although his beard was quite tickly on my thighs. <laughs> You're not getting marks in this show for oral wonder. That's... I don't know why you're laughing, Kim. You're actually five points behind at the moment with all to play for. And that wouldn't be... I mean, how would the listeners... I mean, you know, there wouldn't be much to listen to, would they? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, oh, here we go. No high fives. How are you going to read your story whilst performing Oral Wonder? That's like whistling. I I, I once had a girlfriend and uh, she was performing Oral Wonder and she was whistling at the same time. And I... The lights were out. It was through out. her nose, wasn't no, it? No, I, I turned the lights on and uh, there was a glass eye on the table. Oh, Adrian, Edward, gross. That's awe and wonder right there and there's points to be had. I'm on six now. <laughs> so you're going to do the acting. Can't you do it in a Pakistani accent or something? Why did you choose, you know? It was just generic. I'm sorry. It was, it it was, was the Walmart accent. It was the Walmart accent. Okay. <laughs> the dispatcher inquired if the chicken was causing traffic issues. Officers who responded to the situation could not find the bird. I suspect that if they could, they would have choked it. Oh, <laughs> this isn't the round not for your mother. I didn't have a chance to tell what? her. What? Don't say what and look at me like that. You're fully aware That's of what's not how going. this works. This That's isn't how, how any of this works. I never got a chance to warn our listeners. We're not in the round not for your mother yet. This is the stranger of the bizarre. You said it was the ones that didn't fit into the other categories, and this doesn't I didn't fit. think they were going to be stories that would take us off the air. I'm going to get a $10,000 fine for this. It's um, outrageous. We'll just, have a whip round. Just so you know, it didn't cause any accidents. Just saying. Didn't cause any accidents. So the whole thing was a complete waste of time. Was, they uh, couldn't what, find the chicken. Was, what was the chicken driving? 
Was it a Buick or something? It must have been drinking. Very strange. (laughs) There is a chicken link to my next story. I will mention that. It says, two injured after eggnog flavouring explosion at Totawa Laboratory. Oh, (laughs) there goes. There goes the eggnog. Can you imagine an explosion Uh, covered in eggnog would take some explaining, wouldn't it, perhaps? A fire official says a vat of eggnog flavouring exploded at a laboratory in New Jersey Saturday night. Injuring two workers. Are the dangers of working with flammable Christmas drinks? You never hear of uh, anyone exploding in cider. <laughs> what? What? I get no. in trouble? Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> what? <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Mm. This joke's going to have to be edited. We can't put this out live. <laughs> <laughs> Kim's got tears running down her legs. Totua Fire Marshal Alan Del Vecchio said that he felt the blast from the Pharmachem Laboratory in Totua, which occurred just before 8pm, at his house over a mile away. Um, I'm sure the kids are still licking the house clean. Pharmachem produces ingredients that flavour foods. Workers told the TV station that they had just started on a new recipe for eggnog when it somehow ignited, the two workers suffered minor injuries. That's not Del- funny. Del- <laughs> Del- I'm not, yeah, I'm just, I can't believe there's anyone at home who isn't laughing. <laughs> Del Vecchio says, given the severity of the blast, he's surprised more workers weren't hurt. The entire rear of the building was completely blown out. Oh, your rear can be completely blown out, apparently, if you drink any kind of eggnog. An investigation into the cause of the explosion is underway well it's uh, very dangerous isn't it when egg actually gets mixed with nog the trick is to keep the egg and the nog separate because nogs aren't volatile until they're obviously mixed with eggs and they shouldn't be messed around with i actually saw a suicide vest once on a terrorist that had nog on his vest and he threatened to crack an egg open i believe that was the script for die hard three which is fun and informative <laughs> i am now on a resplendent seven which is a lucky number in many cultures kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre. A U.S. drug mule gets three-year prison sentence on his 90th birthday. Wow. Uh, Indiana man who admitted serving as a cocaine courier for a Mexican drug cartel was sentenced to three years in federal prison. Leo Sharp, a decorated World War II combat veteran, was pulled over by police in October 2011 for erratic driving on an interstate highway in Michigan with what turned out to be 104 bricks of cocaine in his truck. I wonder what you was going to say that it was then. When you said he was a drugs mule, I thought he had them in his body. So when you suddenly said that amount of bricks, I mean, I know the elderly, you know, have some sort of uh, muscle wastage, but I was wondering where those bricks were. So I'm glad you <laughs> clarified that by saying they was in his truck. I was beginning to feel sorry for the guy. Uh, he did plead guilty to conspiring to distribute cocaine in an agreement with prosecutors that included a recommendation for a prison sentence of five years. Sharp's attorneys had asked for supervised release or home confinement, saying he suffers from dementia and other health conditions and needs 24-hour monitoring. Prosecutors said, however, that Sharp had managed to avoid detection for a decade in part because of his age and was now trying to use his age to shield himself from punishment. Edmonds departed from both suggestions and said the effort to blame Sharp's actions on age and dementia was an insult to all people who struggle with dementia and don't become involved in illegal activity. How would they know if they struggled? How would they know they're involved in illegal activity? They are granddad, just drive that over the border, you'll be fine. My granddad was involved in similar things, I have to say, not on an illegal level, but uh, 
there's uh, pubs in Britain and they go across to France and buy all their cigarettes and alcohol and bring them back to Britain because the tax in France is negligible compared to the tax in Britain. So if you went and bought, you know, 200 cartons of cigarettes, it would be considerably less money than if you bought them in Britain. So the idea is you can only bring a set amount back with you. So what some of the pubs in Britain were doing were getting all the elderly together, getting a big minibus or a coach, taking them over on the ferry to France for a day out, would pay for their day out. But then the pub or the person who paid for that trip would then take everyone's allocation of alcohol and cigarettes. So it would actually be accounted for by the number of people that are actually on board on the coach. And they would bring all that back and then sell it out of their pubs, which I'm sure is illegal in many respects because you're breaking the tax and excise laws, I suspect. But that's what they do. And it gives old people a nice day out. So my granddad was more more traveled than me. He had a passport full of stamps because he had days out paid for by local pub landlords and then he would bring cigarettes and alcohol back for them. So this is how these things work. I've got a story now in The Strange and the Bizarre. You should get points for being informative, Kim. So you're now on three. I've got a story here that says, Miley Cyrus, still not over Floyd's death, trying to communicate with Pet through telepathy. Miley may already have a new dog, but this does not mean she's over Floyd. In fact, she misses him so much she needed to have a psychic contact with the loving Pet who passed away due to an unfortunate coyote attack. That's how I lost my pet roadrunner a couple of years ago, by the way. (laughs) Mirror UK reports that Miley Cyrus consulted the services of an animal medium, Melissa Baselar. According to the medium, Miley's grief for her dog is understandable, even though a lot of people do not necessarily understand it. I connect with the dog telepathically. Some will give me actual words, but most of the time I will get images and feelings, which I then pass on to the owner which dogs give her words and when did dogs start talking where was i when i missed that would i go to the bathroom and if she's going to go by how how the dog is feeling and then she passes that on hopefully it's not one of them dogs that sits and does those farts how's the dog feeling (laughs) well where is the dog let me let me the dog's coming through just are you there dog are you there i can hear you yes what are you telling me you're licking your testicles you you missed the ball in the yard why couldn't she collect her own stick? See, these. why does she bend over and stick her tongue out and look like an idiot all the time? You see what I mean? This is where, oh, there's a monkey involved. I knew the monkey would be in there. I'm channeling a monkey. The dog's gone. There's a monkey here. It's all going. She said this meeting was probably set after Miley realised how bad she still misses Floyd. The realisation might have been made after she got a new tattoo in memory of Floyd. Her friends were in fact very supportive when she got the tattoo. Miley posted pictures of where she... And her friends got matching tattoos of Floyd at a house party. Well, at least she's not using it as a way to get media attention. Animals in readings. I've actually done many psychic readings where there have been animals. Because if you imagine you had a dog that you've had all your life and then, you know, you pass on, the dog's there with you in spirit as well. So if someone comes to me and says, I want to contact my granddad, when I'm in that room, suddenly a black Labrador runs around the room you know, almost a minute before granddad arrives because it reflects, in my experiences as a psychic, the concept that if you ring someone's doorbell or walk up their path, the dog gets to you first. So in many respects, I see the dog running around and I'd say, did your granddad used to have, you know, a kind of black Labrador or whatever the dog is? And they'd say yes, and then granddad would appear. So normally it's a good sign for me if the dog is running around. And I did a Reiki session in Iowa um, last week and the lady's laid out there on the massage table and whilst I'm giving her healing and Reiki there's a dog running around in spirit the room I'm working in and at the end of the uh, Reiki session I said uh, did you have a small 
brown dog I think its name's Coco and she said yeah that's a dog that I had as a child and it's passed on so while I was doing the Reiki healing her dog in spirit actually ran around the room so that was quite remarkable so we now move on to the round that is not for your mother we kind of preceded this somewhat we've, we've kind of it pains me I've got to now say that if there's any you know people that are easily offended or small children or your mother in the room they need to leave but the kind of the horse has bolted, hasn't it? I mean, it seems a bit flat now, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of redundant to a certain degree. Do you not think Heather's looking at me oddly? Well, I mean, maybe we could rename that category before this, not for your father. Not for your father. Well, my, my dad had listened to anything, to be perfectly honest, and do anything. So I don't think that's any kind of guide. But uh, it seems very odd to me after what we just discussed in the rounds of the bizarre and strange. And everyone's looking into space and trying not to catch my eye at the moment that we now call this round... Not for your mother. There we go. It's a funk here. We need to turn the lights down and uh, get romantic and light some candles and have a little bit of... Oral uh, wonder. Oral wonder. <laughs> <laughs> we could have a romantic meal with candles and roses. And not very tasty, but plenty of nourishment, obviously. We could uh, make love on the table and then not get invited back to that restaurant anymore, I would suggest. There you go. <laughs> so, Heather, what have you got for me in the round of oral wonder? <laughs> Man went to hospital for circumcision and awoke to find his penis amputated. Well, that could be a problem. Yes, that would be more. <laughs> I know there was a rabbi that was performing a circumcision and he uh, slipped. And uh, he got he got the sack. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> Another point to be had. In Birmingham, Alabama, a man says in a medical malpractice lawsuit filed this week, that he went in for a circumcision last month at Princeton Baptist Medical Center and awoke to find his penis had instead been amputated. There's a guy in another you know, room who's had a finger replaced now. Or eating say. mushrooms. Oh, no. Yeah. What if he said to the nursery movie Spectacles and she just didn't listen? But that's not what was amputated. Well, I'm trying to make a joke, can I? And if you can come up with one, you go No points. <laughs> no? No points. No points. No, no points. points there. No Where's points. your negatives? That's what I want to know. I'm on a resplendent eye. You're on one. You need the points what is where Emma? we are. The man and his wife filed the lawsuit Tuesday in Jefferson County Circuit Court in Birmingham. Do you think his wife's got that by the bedside cabinet? She don't need to wake him up anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? She's got like a matchbox. She's got it in a jar of pickled onions, you see, because it's going to dry out, isn't it, and shrink. So what you need to do is to plop it into a jar of pickled onions. And if you take it out again and wring it out with the vinegar. Would that be a cocktail weenie? Just wondering. (sighs) Maybe a meat injector would work better. (laughs) Might be petrified. (laughs) And relax. I think we're good. When the plaintiff awoke from his aforesaid surgical procedure... That's got a smart, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to put cologne down there or anything, do you know what I'm saying? I don't think so. His penis was amputated. It would make shaving easier. Well, that does help. That would be an <laughs> orchidectomy, wouldn't it? What do they call that? I can't try to remember what that's called. There's a technical word. His main word. complaint is that he never... His main complaint is that yeah, his penis is gone. Yeah, he never gave consent for a complete or a partial amputation of his penis. What did he... There's someone in another ward somewhere that got a circumcision that only went in for an ingrown toenail, it was my suspicion. Something like that. Do you know, they're going to charge you more. That's where this country works, isn't it? By the inch. Yeah, you go in, you go in for a circumcision. <laughs> He's got a mechanic that's just taken an inch off his exhaust pipe. I, um, 
Yeah, this country tries to charge you more. You go to the dentist, they find 25 things that's wrong with your teeth that they can make money out of over the next yeah. five years. So they're thinking, well, circumcision, that's not that expensive. So you know, let's, let's take the whole thing Let's off. do the whole business and we can charge him five grand. <laughs> the lawsuit claims that the man was never provided with an explanation as to the medical necessity of an amputation, nor was he ever warned the circumcision procedure could result in a complete amputation. How does that happen? I don't I mean, know. You know, I don't know how much you know about the male anatomy, but th- there's uh, a many a slip twixt cup and lip, isn't there? If you're working at one end and suddenly, you know, I you find know. yourself down at the other. I just One of the claims in the lawsuit is from the wife. Do you think he's got a cool been... subpoena? Oh, no, no <laughs> points. No, no points. Yeah. Uh, the I'm trying to reach for it. It's not just working, is it? I've got to let it happen. I've just you can't the, reach it, I've got to you? let the mojo yeah, just flow. Whatever. I can't reach it. I just, <laughs> I'm reaching for the jokes. They're not there. Uh, the man's wife also has a claim of loss of consortium. Loss of what? Consortium. Consortium? Yes. That's a Greek island, isn't it? I went backpacking through there last year. Did Cons- you? What's consortium? Agreement to... I'm going to say loss of sex, yeah? Loss of congeal rights. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I see where we are. Is it a consortium? That's of consortium. Well, he's, con- he's got conglomerate on his bed covers, apparently. I oh. um, she's got a jar of pickled onions by the side of her bedside table now. She doesn't have to wake him up anymore. Oh, <laughs> the lawsuit does not specify an amount of damages being sought. I would imagine quite a lot if you're having to wee through a straw. Ew! Outrageous. I've got a story here that says man carried out sex act on platform of miniature railway. A man exposed himself and carried out a sex act on the platform of a miniature railway at Trago Mills. Philip Plumridge, 47, from near Buckfastley, was found guilty on Tuesday at Torquay Magistrates Court. Prosecuting Scott Horner said Plumridge had exposed himself on the platform of the railway and carried out a sex act in front of a female employee at Trago Mills. Do you see why he did it at a miniature railway? Are you getting what I'm throwing down? (laughs) Do you see where I'm going with this? He did this at a miniature railway. I get it. Yeah, this is the reason I like dating girls with small hands. The woman told the court she had stuck up a conversation with she earlier. stuck up one, She huh? stuck up a conversation mm. earlier with Plumridge while he was having an ice cream in the cafe. She said later she noticed his flies were undone and she could see his private parts. Perhaps he was going to be playing a game of cock or ball. She continued, <laughs> I was shocked. Have you never played that? No, just no. me. When you're at school, you got all your friends to kneel down and you have to unzip yourself and you play, you know, you just expose a little bit. And have to guess whether it's cock or ball. Kim's three two up at the moment. Greg's Greg. <laughs> it's, no one's played that, just me. Okay, must be an English thing. She continued, I was shocked and did not say anything as I could not believe it. I then saw him again from the window of my kiosk and saw him on the platform of the miniature railway. She said she saw him carrying out a sex act. She told magistrates he was staring at me. I felt sick and his action worried me. Mitigating for Plumridge, who was not in court due to medical reasons, Jolson Tuck said Plumridge was actually urinating, or trying to. In his police interview, which formed the basis of the defence, Plumridge said his flies are always undone, as they have no button on them. But he was unaware that his penis was showing. The court heard that Plumridge had a medical condition resulting from gallbladder surgery that means he can expose himself now on miniature railways and not get caught for it. No, he says he could get caught short 
and it takes longer to urinate, apparently. Magistrates found Plumridge guilty of one charge of exposure, saying they believed the evidence of the witness as she had a really good view of the incident and she could tell he was Jewish. A warrant was issued for Plumridge's arrest. Can you imagine doing a lineup like the usual suspects and you sat there, you know, with your twig and berries out and the woman's got to go along and then say, it's, it's number three. I recognise the wall. It's number three. So uh, this is where we are. So he did, in fact, go to court and he has been arrested and he was charged with exposure. So this is what you do if you perform lewd acts in a miniature railway platform. Next he was to just trying cream. to toot the horn. Points to be had all round. Kim's now up to <laughs> seven. Heather, what have you got for me? Have we've already spoken to you, haven't we? I'm getting yeah. confused. There's so many Willie stories. It's confusing for me. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Man armed with leaf blower arrested for doing yard work in the nude. What is it? <laughs> with, oh, what was that? <laughs> Greg's got his leaf blower out. Do that again. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's like the woman in a jar of pickled onions. She's just blowing the... It's um, very strange how Greg spends his week recording all of these things. It's remarkable. <laughs> so he's got a leaf blower and he's wandering around naked blowing leaves. Is that uh, what... Yes. Massachusetts homeowner was arrested Monday for open and gross lewdness after passing motorists spotted him. Leaf blower in hand, doing yard work in the nude, according to the cops. Greg, when was the last time you had your leaf blower in your hand? Naked. It's got to be last fall, isn't it, I would think? Probably, this, probably last October, no, last November, perhaps. I know that I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I went to Canby, and the gentleman that owns the uh, cinema there that was built in the 1930s, I asked him if he had any ghostly experiences whilst he's worked in the theatre. And he told me that in the cinema, and I don't know if other cinemas do this, but they use leaf blowers. So at the end of the film, when everyone's gone and everyone's throwing their popcorn on the floor and chip wrappers or whatever, he goes around with the leaf blower and blows everything to the front of the auditorium. And then you can just come along with a shovel and a, and a broom and just take care of that. And he said one of his ghostly experiences was that he had his Walkman on. This was the 1980s, apparently. And he had his leaf blower going and he was going up and down the aisles. And as we know, as paranormal investigators, ghosts don't like, do they, to be disturbed and they're like nice quiet surroundings but apparently someone laughed very loudly in his ear you know whilst he, and he heard that with his walkman on he took the walkman off and then started being pushed around a little bit and he ran out of the cinema apparently and had to convince his girlfriend to come back and lock the cinema for him because he didn't want to come back on his own but wow. uh, if we ever do an investigation there we'll take a leaf blower with us and we'll use it as a trigger object okay Okay, fantastic. We're all in agreement. Leaf blower, trigger objects, the way to go. Uh, Richard Capra, 69, worked on curb appeal of his Shrewsbury home. Several vehicles were slowing down, taking photographs. Responding to 911 calls, Officer Timothy Charlin spotted Capra completely nude, blowing off his driveway with a leaf blower. There's, there's many a thing that can be said there, isn't there? That leaves, <laughs> that leaves the show open to all kinds of lawsuits. I'm sure this next sentence will really surprise you. Can I say Fanny Unicorn? <laughs> 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 Capra was intoxicated and belligerent towards the police. Wow. No. Who else would blow the leaves in their garden? Naked, if they hadn't been drinking, of course. What a fabulous story. Is there more to come? Uh, Capra arrested on a misdemeanor charge. He's scheduled for August 15th in court. Future arrestees will be happy to learn that Capra was issued clothing prior to being placed in a Shrewsbury patrol car. Wow. So they didn't have a naked man in the car with them. 
all the stories tonight seem to be of a very similar theme in Not For Your Mother. I have a story here that says, Rapper Andre Johnson speaks, I cut off my penis because sex is for mortals and I am a god. Remember that supposedly Wu-Tang Clan affiliated rapper Andre Johnson who served his... Served. I'll have to learn to read. Who severed his penis and then jumped off a Los Angeles balcony in April Well, he's finally given a much-needed reason behind his actions, which he insists he was in complete control of. Johnson left the rap community stunned following the incident in North Hollywood on the 16th of April, which left doctors unable to reattach his penis and he has remained silent in the months since. So some good has come out of this then. I wonder if he's keeping it in a pickled onion jar. He finally offered an explanation this week saying, yes, I was using drugs that night, but I was in complete control. Remember, children, there is an important message in this show that highlights the dangers of improvisational comedy. I cut it off because there was the root of all my problems. Well, the root is now gone, so he has no more problems. My solution to the problem was the realisation that sex is for mortals and I am a god. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but weren't the Greek and Roman gods kind of constantly at it all of the time? I mean, if I think if he'd have read, if he'd had a background in the learning the classics, this young gentleman who's a rapper, then obviously he'd still have his wiener, I suspect, and he wouldn't be weaned through a straw. Those kinds of activities got me into trouble and I came here to be a god. The comments seem like those of a man struggling with mental health issues, but Johnson insists he is not crazy and said that he is seen a psychologist and after being discharged from hospital was deemed to be okay. As to why he hasn't spoken about the incident until now, he added, people perceived me as crazy, so I never wanted to speak wholeheartedly on the matter. I didn't want to kill myself, Johnson continued. That was just my response to the demons. They were doing their best to get to me. But being alive solidified my thoughts. I'm alive, penis or no penis. It's actually no penis, mate, I'm afraid to say. Which is unlucky when your last name is in fact Johnson. <laughs> we come to the end of the show and all good things must come to an end. So look at tonight's scores to see who's won. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery is Heather. She has scored... What? Three, your scores have fluctuated. You've been on minus three, zero, minus two, one, and now you're back Inconceivable. up to three. I'm sure if you went back and listened to the show, all will be revealed to you. And in a resplendent first place with the $33,000 IR camera is, in fact, me. I scored eight points tonight. Kim's on seven. In second place. And Greg is on six. So uh, lots of scores to be had tonight. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me at any time via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Drainer, Fanny Unicorn, Kim and Greg Gore, <laughs> and all of the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening. And remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Everything, everything.